record this now and see if this is worthwhile. So I'm just going to search Stoke Rotherham highlights. Hopefully they're on YouTube. Uh, one minute 57, two minutes, three long video. I will, I'll do this version for... It'll probably not convey everything, but here we are. Stoke v Rotherham. United. Corner to Rotherham, so this is their goal. It is. Okay. There's Jagir across the pitch there, bandaged up. Cross comes in. Oh, that's a bit shit. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Right. Stoker on the ball now. And, yep, good. Great pass. Who was that? Great pass. Go on, Ty. Oh, just put it in the net. Okay. Edo well, wasn't thinking of that. He should well, have thought, you know what, I'm going to score. Well, we'll get him next time. Right. Oh, cracking ball across from uh, Laurent there. Taken really well. Nice use of possession. Great ball in from Fosu. Gale. Rah! Oh, it's Delap. Rah! You're unmarked, man. Right. Shot from yeah. area. Cleared by them. Ball in from the right. Oh, good. <sighs> <sighs> right, second half now. Great ball out to the left. Slightly miscontrolled. Cross back in. Header. It's uh, off the line. It's good to see that your reaction is exactly the same as that of everyone in the ground for almost right. all of these highlights. Good ball. We tell you what, we get crosses in. We're doing that well. Header. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, Ty. Oh, God. Right, corner. Again, swinging these balls. You fucking freak goalkeeper. What the fuck is that? I was in. Prick. It's not fair, is it? No. Right. And those are just the highlights on the two-minute video, so God knows what else there is. Oh, fucking hell, I'm annoyed. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Is it 274? I think it's 274. We deserved, we deserved at least a draw. It's episode number 274. <laughs> Welcome to WodPod. My name is David Calshaw and I'm joined by Mr. George Weaver. How are you, George? I'm great, thank you, Dave. The world is falling apart and Stoke City are back exactly where they should be. Losing games... Despite dominating. Losing games despite dominating. I mean, uh, the reason you may have heard me there reacting to the highlights is because I wasn't at the Stoke game. Yesterday, I was watching the mighty Ponty Collieries beat top of the lead Stockton 2-1, so up the coals. Um, but it was kind of inevitable that after the optimism of uh, two wins and a bounce, we, we would lose. But, George, is it fair to say that this is the first defeat for a long time where we still have kept that sense of optimism and we are kind of putting things in a broader context now. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think there's a single person inside the ground who could reasonably, I'm sure there's people who unreasonably would think this, but I don't think there's anyone who reasonably could say we did much wrong in that game. Um, you can't come away from that match thinking anything other than how the fuck have we lost that? There's no way we deserve to lose. Mm. 
So, yeah, I think even Stoke fans have to be positive after a game like that. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I was obviously following it on my phone and just seeing the stats just swing massively on our favour, seeing all the updates say, and how has that stayed out? And, oh, it's so close again for Stoke. And it was just, oh, my God. But they, it came, it was probably not even like halfway through the first half where I thought, oh, it's one of them. It's absolutely one of them. The classic football manager stinker, the old Pulis, the old... Uh, we used to do it back in the Prem, you know, that kind of absolute moral cesspit of a win, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a win in, in literally the only respect that matters and not in any other respect. But there we go. There is, that is Stoke City for you, but um, it is nice, as we say, that we do kind of have the ability to chalk this up to, it being just one of those days and uh, realising that this team is creating chances now. This team is dominating games. The last three games we have dominated and deserve to win all three. Six points out of nine is probably what we would have taken from these next, uh, from these three games that we've played. So whilst it is frustrating to have been completely done like this, go looking ahead to Coventry on the weekend, you'd have to say, we would be favourites for that. And if we play anything like we have been, then we are going to score goals. And there's a few few players, notably the three players who played up front last night, who who are due. They are so due. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest differences, I think, between now and a month ago, um, despite us getting our club back for the fifth time in about five years. Mm. Um, one of the biggest differences, I think, is looking at Fosu and Campbell playing wide. Mm. Um, we're letting our wide men beat defenders again, and particularly Fosu last night, the regularity with which he got past his man and either got a cross in or played it back into a better position or got shot away. That It's so much more exciting, and I think that's... That's the biggest difference I've seen so far. Where is this? Where has Fosu come from? Like this is <laughs> this is extraordinary stuff. That he's had a rough start to a Stoke career. Had this kind of, I don't know what the terminology would be. The shackles are off. He was deployed differently. I don't know, but he's such an exciting player to watch. He's got tremendous feet. He's got a great cross on him. He. He's definitely got a shot on him as well. I know he's not scored yet, but he's definitely got that in his locker. What has there been a change in our recruitment at all, or is it just we've managed to hit upon uh, with him and Sterling? To be fair, two really, really good players, and it's just, or is it just we 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 were signing good players to begin with, but didn't have the manager or capability to use them? It's an interesting one. I think Fosu said himself last night I didn't watch the whole interview with him but he said something about feeling a little bit more fit and ready to go and a bit sharper so possibly it's just him getting back to fitness but I've been really impressed with him in all of it to be honest he had a couple of dodgy games but even at Preston where he played as more of a wing back he still looks really really impressive um I think we've just you know we made the right picks and I think it's kind of come to show that a squad that O'Neill built in the summer, despite a lot of big worries about it, is a pretty big improvement yeah. from where we were a year or two ago. 
fit, fitness is an interesting point because I'm always a bit skeptical when new managers come in and it's like, oh, the, the team's not as fit as they should be kind of thing. It's a very sort of Paul Lambert kind of quote to make, I think. But um, but there have been little things, you notice, like like Fosu, who against Preston, like he was, he's he's a he's not a big guy, but he was holding people off. He was strong uh, when being challenged. And it's slightly gone under the radar, but Tyrese Campbell has played 90 minutes on a, a Saturday and a Tuesday. And when was the last time he was able to do that? Surely before his injury. I can't remember the last time he'd, he'd just been played consistently that long. Um, obviously, though, he didn't score. Neither did Delap, neither did Gale. Um is there a issue with our strikers in terms of finishing? Are they doing everything right apart from score? I mean, I have to look at Tyrese's goal on on the weekend and say, "Oh, he he can't finish." Was it the circumstances of the game that maybe dictated the sort of slightly shonky finishing? Yeah, I th- we were snatching at things, particularly late on. I remember Tyrese did one where he cut inside and hit it straight at the keeper and there were at least some other options on and Brown again at the end just lashed one over when he had probably a bit more time. Um, So maybe there's a little bit of the game situation in there, but it's just I think it's just one of those things with strikers is every now and again they're going to have a day where nothing comes off for them. Um, and for some reason this game, nothing came on for six of them at the same time, which you know couldn't be more stoked really. Mm. And speaking of things that are very stoked, the performance of the referee uh, was uh, being absolutely slammed all over social media. Yeah. Now, as someone who watched the game, George, obviously there's been no kind of hugely contentious, uh, maybe match-altering decisions there. I, I don't know, maybe there was. Um, but there certainly doesn't seem to be like he's not awarded them a penalty or sent one of our guys off. Mm-hmm. So what was it about the refereeing performance that's uh, really got people's backs up? I think it was the just an incredible inconsistency to it. Um, I, it's one of those things in the championship. My One of my friends who's a, a Liverpool fan was watching it and mentioned about VAR in the championship. And I, I don't think you could do it because the game would last three and a half hours if you had to correct every decision that a championship ref made that was wrong. It's, you know, it's difficult because I would say, well, we need to start demoting these people and getting better ones in. But, I think the standard of refereeing across the whole of the EFL is that bad that this this probably is the best of you know the best of the bunch kind of thing. Yeah. It, it was just such a frustrating a game full of not giving fouls for some things and then the same thing happens giving a foul for that. Um I think the only thing that was a big decision was actually not the ref's fault in terms of Jagielka having to go off mm. for that corner. Uh, yeah. Neil mentioned it as yeah. a bit of a stupid, outdated rule, and it, it's an interesting one because I understand why it's there in terms of time wasting. But then you see the opposite effect because yeah. the keeper went down uh, when we had a corner in the ninety-somethingth minute. Keeper doesn't have to go off, obviously, because it's a keeper, so you can't take him off. Um, so we got punished for time wasting in quotes in the first two minutes, and they didn't get punished for it in the ninetieth. So yeah. yeah, that was a bit of a funny one. I feel I feel like keepers should have to go off. I think it would make games a hell of a lot more fun. <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying that because of last night. 
I am definitely saying that because of last night. But imagine the carnage if your your keeper's like really done something, but he he, he either forces himself to struggle on or takes himself off. If in the case of a headed head injury, oh you, yeah, you get all kinds of like low key assaults on keepers. It'd be great. Um, yes, so bad day at the office, but still the encouraging signs are there, and yeah, it's. It's nice to be able to kind of take a defeat in our stride for once, rather than it being a sort of harbinger of doom and despair. Um, so that's nice. How are you feeling about the sort of run up towards the World Cup, George? Because we've got Coventry, we've got Norwich. I mean, to be honest, I don't think it's a particularly like daunting fixture list. I mean, the mm. the, the the most daunting section of our fixture list has been and gone. So now we're looking at opportunities where we can pick up points. Now, obviously, Rotherham at home seems like you should be picking up set up there, but like we say, it's it's just kind of one of those games. Uh, what are we hoping for from our upcoming game? So, like I said, it's Coventry at home Saturday, followed by Norwich away the following Saturday, and then we've got Wigan midweek away, and then Birmingham at home on the uh, bonfire night. It's an interesting one. I think for me. I'm probably more bothered about performance. Mm. Um, as long as we don't, you know, get zero points from those and the performances look okay, I'd probably be all right. I'm I'm still very much not expecting this year to be a promotion push in any sense. Um it would be nice if we can pick up a big result and get a good mood. It would be nice if we could beat Norwich away. They've been I think they've had a few dodgy results at home recently, yeah. so that would be quite a big sort of uplifting result for us. Um, I don't know. I just want to see us keep playing like we are. I mean, the game yesterday, you play that, you play like that at home, you win 99 times out of 100. So anything along those lines and, you know, maybe at Norwich away, we have to do a bit of a QPR where we just keep them out for as long as possible, try and dredge out a result. But, I do feel at least confident now that we're not going to immediately go under when we concede and we're not going to immediately sort of collapse like we did against Watford. Yeah. In that sense. Absolutely. Now, whether that means we'll actually come back from behind and win the game these days is something else entirely, but oh, that would be <laughs> jolly exciting if it did. Uh, yeah. Just a couple of uh, tweets and hot takes from the uh, Rotherham game. Uh, ben on Twitter says, Joe Bursick, not as good as people think. Um, I, I, you, said, you said that as a statement rather than a question. Uh, what do you think? Because to be fair, I'm not saying Bursic's amazing or anything, but I also don't think he's particularly rated either. No, I think it's hard to judge him off last night. To be honest, he had, mm. I think he had a flap at a couple of crosses, maybe, and I don't know. The goal's a tough one for him to to judge him on. I I, I don't think they had. Did they have one shot on target? Maybe something like that. Yeah, it's tough to judge him from that, but you know, yeah, I think I think you're right. He's not he's not particularly seen as a you know the next Gordon Banks, really, is he? No, um, and it's it's been a consequence of how we, our team have set up that he's not really been put under too much pressure in recent games. I thought he did a reasonable job against Preston of coming in and claiming stuff for crosses and looking uh, burpitant. But yeah, um, jury's still out, I think. But he is a young keeper. He's he's still got 
a lot of potential, I think. Um, and it's just, I think the, the what is being exposed recently is the key to our defence is either Phil Jagielka or it's the sort of Alex Neal system. I mean, it's sort of, I don't know whether there's a kind of scientific term for like selectivity bias kind of thing, but the literally the the seconds he goes off the pitch is the seconds we concede in. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean that's probably just the nature of how corners are, I guess. But um, yeah, what what is it about Jags? Because uh, it, oh, he was brilliant again yesterday. It, he was absolutely excellent throughout the game. I think, I think. He's got Wilmot next to him, who is, again, also an excellent defender. And for me, up there with one of our best players this season so far. Um, But Jagielka does everything Flint does with a bit more brains. Mm. I think he's he's lost the pace, but he can read things so much better. Um, You see him stepping up and... uh, I nearly said O'Neill then. Alex Neal said in an interview... He knows when to go and when to stop and he knows when to pull back and he knows when to cover. And it's absolutely invaluable when you're in front of Bursic, who's a little bit or can be a little bit hesitant. And you're next to Wilmot, who's excellent, but still pretty young. Um, and it was it was really great to see a defender stay on with a bleeding head wound. Yes, that really got everyone sort of G'd up a little bit. Yeah, we love sad that. for him, but everyone likes to see that. Yeah, absolutely, they do. Um, so yeah, like we say, we're keeping the positives. Would we stick with the same team for Coventry? Do we think? I would possibly consider if Jason Brown is <laughs> back fit. I would probably consider him in for Delat, and the same with. Nick Powell in for Gale. Um, I thought Gale worked really hard as a number 10, but it's still fairly obvious that it's not really his position. Um, huge I'm caveats. Not sure about Smallbone. Yeah, he, huge caveats. But if fit, Powell back is bloody exciting for this team. Uh, so is Brown being back. And we've had uh, encouraging news that Harry Souter uh, is back with the uh, under 20 one three squad whatever we call it now um and so he's getting minutes uh are australia at the world cup they are yeah and so, sadly though harry Souter did concede two against forest under 21s or threes whatever it is oh well so shit. i'm afraid we're gonna have to sell him now okay fair enough my my concern was he'd come back just in time to go to the world cup and pick up a bloody you know mortal wound in qatar um but yes, uh, God, yeah. Like, like I think, like we said last week, we we've appreciated Smallbone for what he is, rather than try to kind of criticize him for what he isn't. Uh, we again, he's still a young player, and you know, he, I'm sure he'll come through even better in time. But God, like a, a Nick Powell behind this attack with, you know, just I, how how many minutes have Baker and Powell been on the same pitch together? That's that's mm-hmm. something to look forward to. Um, how those two can interact, and also um, how how many times have Powell and Tyrese uh, been on the pitch together recently? Like barely any at all. Like yeah. Powell in that ten role, um, you know, um, in, in his absence, he sort of becomes 
perhaps more fated and sort of uh, revered than sometimes when he has had a run of games. But the prospect of him like being able to just, you know, almost stroll back away from a defender, win a foul or free kick for us, or slot it through to Tyrese, or or maybe even you know put it on a plate for Delap or Gale, uh, is yeah. so bloody exciting. But I guess if if we're in a two up front scenario, I think it's um, I think it's Campbell and Brown. I think yeah. I, I, I mean agree. I think Delap has, has struggled to have an impact on games when he started. Uh, not not all his fault, but um, at, I think at this stage where we want to sort of build some momentum from our performances and convert them into wins, you look at the guys who we can rely on to score semi-regularly, and that is uh, Brown and Campbell, and, and not just their ability in front of goal, but Brown's all-round play, I think, everyone loves and you know Campbell's directness and sort of um his his risk taking is what I really like about Campbell. Yep, sometimes you know he'll miss things mm-hmm. but God, yeah, it's it's so much more dynamic with those two. So the the prospect of fully fit Brown, fully fit Powell in this team is so exciting. I can't wait to see which Injury will scupper <laughs> us next. And this well, even, I noticed it about oh, sorry, lovely about... Josh as well. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, this is an interesting one because I want to whisper it, but Fox Patent, yes, or um, Morg Patent, whichever we mentioned last pod. I, I thought um, it very Morg Patent against uh, Preston, yeah. And you know, you can see his limitations in a game like last night because he's not an attacking fullback and he did look a bit sort of like he got a nosebleed when he got too far forward. Mm. But he's still put in a couple of decent crosses. Yeah. Um, And so it's interesting, I think, to see if we do keep using the four that we used last night and against Sheffield United, whether Timon slots straight back into them uh, as a left-back or whether he pushes up as a winger. Yeah. I'm not quite so sure about that. And Andy will have to dislodge Fosu if so. Um, exactly. So competition at a wing back position. What? Um, absolute scenes. Now I think this is going to be a uh, short and sweet wizards uh, for you this uh, this fine Wednesday evening. I've got two days left of term and I'm just about just about coping. Nearly died, but you know we've made it. Um, do we have any other business or should we go go straight on to the feeding of the hippos? I think those hippos are getting hungry, to be honest. Yes. Um who who did you who did we put in last week? did we like put nobody in and the so the hippos got hungrier? Or no, did we put so many oh, people in? Remember. I can't remember if we put in loads of people or no people. I think it was quite a few. Oh, I can't remember now. What what was the what was the concept? Oh, I'm so sorry to the last the last, <laughs> the last episode. I did remember enjoying it. I can't remember who they fed to the hippos, but I enjoyed it very much. Oh, that's continuity ruined now. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, lads. Um, <laughs> so the prime candidate, let's just uh, consult the tweets here, is uh, Gavin Ward. Not that one. Not the one who I had the back of on my Stoke Green goalkeeper's kit in 1999. Not that 
uh, Gavin Ward. One of my friends at school was called Ward and thought it was weird that I had his surname on the back of my <laughs> Stoke shirt. Um, not that Gavin Ward of uh, being displaced by Neil Cutler fame. Oh, <laughs> uh, George's dogs. I don't know if you heard. Very oh, sorry. Ad- yeah, adamant about uh, Gavin Ward. There, uh, Gavin Ward should be set on fire before being fed. Still kicking to the hippos. <laughs> CJ Hancock. That's uh, true. Do we normally serve? Do we normally serve the hippos more sort of al dente or? It's usually raw and it just is usually live, raw, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. to be live as well because otherwise it's just. Uh, just a just a standard meal um sky tv cameras should also be fed to the hippos because we cannot seem to win when they're around and yes uh i think there's another if you aren't feeding gavin Moore to the hippos you then you may as well close the zoo says stokey jim um <laughs> oliver perrin says uh reggie's brother says if they hadn't have scored we'd be two nil up feed that stupid comment to the hippos who said that um and Gavin Ward too. While we're at it, so I mean, Gavin Ward's the overwhelming favourite. But do we have any um, other candidates? I mean, I'd feed like the Tory front bench the hippos, but I'm worried they'd resign before I got the opportunity. Uh, I think they're very much feeding themselves to yes, that, that the hippos is, at this point. To be that, honest, <laughs> that is what is happening in Parliament right now. Just a live hippo <laughs> feeding. Someone trying to get a co- coalition of hippos together so they can appoint a new less bitey hippo <laughs> but, <Yeah>. then, but then <laughs> it, it whilst they're you know negotiating they accidentally feed themselves to their own hippo um it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of chomping going on a lot of self-chomping in the tory party and not um, in a good way yes just seen tory whips manhandling a crying tory mp into the hippo tank um, <laughs> um oh god i, I mean <laughs> Uh, if if you are a Tory MP, the hippos have your number. It's very much like your card is marked Absolutely. already. Gavin the drones Ward, are ready. Gavin Ward is simply uh, a, a criminal uh, for what he did last night, and he was also that ref who missed a, a fucking like assault on one of our the players. Breaker, yeah, yeah, at Huddersfield, the little turd. Yeah, yeah get chomped. Chompy, well, chompy. I think the only other one I could have thought of is. The concept of there being not good enough rules about time wasting. The concept that, of there being not good enough rules about time wasting. It's probably I, I shouldn't have said this to an English teacher, should I? Um, <laughs> in that way, <laughs> the rules around time wasting is that is that yeah, what? That's probably yes. a better way of saying it, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, we could feed Gavin Ward with his referees' um, laws of the game. Attached that could be a set, like you know oh, how excellent, yeah. You know how it's like a side. Act, how for action figures you get that little like <laughs> accessory. Gavin the Gavin Ward pack with referees rule book straight into the hippos. Um the action figure of Gavin Ward. Um, you know, because how if you ever had like the Simpsons action figures and stuff, it was always in that plastic that was really fucking impossible yeah. to open. I feel like that would be a mean. challenge for the hippos just to get get through that plastic and then properly chomp at a, a miniaturized Gavin Ward and his fucking a figure of Gavin Ward or have we actually miniaturized Gavin Ward? I think I think we miniaturize him because that's imagine just waking up Minnie one day 
and just just about getting used to the concept of your mm. new tiny status. And then imagine how big a hippo looks when you're me. Oh my god! Yes. Wow. Oof. It looks like fucking Cthulhu to you. It's just it's it's I and being vacuum packed as well. <laughs> yes. None of this can be fun for him. <laughs> a vacuum packed Kevin Ward off the shelf, uh, like off the shelf at Woolworths. Um, you know, yeah, that's where you'd get your sort of seven pound ninety nine action figure toys yeah, from back absolutely. in the day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's been left in a Woolworths bag, and a hippo that now to Gavin Ward seems like an entire planet is is bounded up and said, right. This is going to be a challenge, but I'm down for it. So this is going to be several minutes of torture while I get this mm-hmm. bloody packaging undone. Well, and it's good the... brain training for the hippos as well, isn't it? Yeah. Keeping, yeah. Them, uh, keeping them occupied. So when we feed the hippos more difficult concepts in future, they'll be ready yeah. for it. You know, we, we're we not just making these hippos hungrier. We're making them smarter. Exactly. <laughs> we are training these hippos. We are going to ride into the Bet365 on these hippos who can fly. We've taught them how to fly now. And okay. And we are going to administer live chomping, chompings. They're so it all... is about... It is a making them smarter thing. Then I thought it was sort of you know reproducing the the hunt sort of thing, but mm. I suppose they very rarely hunt vacuum packed action figures. No, that's true. That's <laughs> I'm true. not a biologist, to be fair. This is why we need Doctor Matt. Yeah, if if anyone this out is all there, his fault. If anyone out there works in a zoo or has <laughs> has seen a hippo, uh, and then then get in touch because uh, we we don't just want like a sedate sort of mm-hmm. hippo that's just sort of laying around doing nothing and occasionally chomps. We want a fucking war hippo. Yeah. If we're, if we're going to make it to the Premier League, we need a team of war hippos. Exactly. And I don't know where my brain has gone. There's two days left. I can do it. Um, no. But yes, that was there your, we go. Whizzle, whizzle. <laughs> <laughs> your whizzles of drivel. <laughs> the whizzles of whizzle. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I've not even had a drink. Well, I have, but not a, not a proper one. Um, but yeah, and... to reiterate, if you are a biologist or a zoologist or whatever, is the natural prey of a hippo a vacuum-packed action figure? That's what we're asking this week, right? Yeah, I think that's Excellent. the key question. That's the key question. Good stuff. So thank you for listening to the Wizards of Drivel podcast, <laughs> uh, your one-stop shop for hippopotamus-based uh, biology. Thank you, George, for joining me. Thank you very much, Dave. Go on, Stoke.